0: I had to kind of start to understand that endo doesn't control me or define me, but it is a huge part of me. And so I don't want to post every single time I feel sick, but I do want to share my knowledge. And I do want to find people who understand me. So that way I don't feel so alone. Hi,
1: and welcome to the Endo Babe Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Bree. I'm an ultrasound tech turned endometriosis coach, positivity and self love advocate, a seven on the Enneagram, and I am a proud dog mom. And I'm on a mission to help you live more positively with endometriosis and be happy in your body. On the Endo Babe Podcast, we're going to dive deep into all things endometriosis, mindset, self love, health, and so much more. This is a badass podcast for badass endo babes. And I want you to leave this podcast feeling inspired and empowered on your own health journey with more confidence in the belief that you too can have more good days than bad. Are you with me, babes? See you in the podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the endo podcast. I chatted with Kaylee Lee, who is the face behind journey to fix my lady parts on Instagram. And she's also a host on not your mama pod, which is a podcast that focuses on endometriosis, adenomyosis, and infertility, um, with her and her co-host. We chatted really about like her journey with endometriosis, the podcast life, and really rediscovering who you are. Um, It was a fun episode and I cannot wait for you to hear. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Endo Babe podcast. I'm very excited to share Kaylee with you today. She is the face behind Journey to Fix My Lady Parts on IG and one of the hosts on the Not Your Mama pod where they talk about endo, adeno, and infertility. So welcome, Kaylee. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so usually I start with having you just kind of give a little bit of your experience with endometriosis because Kaylee's a
0: fellow endo warrior. Yeah. So I started my cycle 12 or 13 years old. I don't remember a lot of the early years, especially with my pain. I do know I had a really heavy cycle and I felt flu-like with my period. Um, My mom probably had undiagnosed endo, maybe adeno, because she did have a hysterectomy very, very young. And because of that, she kind of recognized some of my symptoms and um, took me to be on birth control in junior high and didn't really have much of a conversation with me about it. It was just, we don't talk about those sort of things. So I was put on birth control super early, which didn't mask a lot of the symptoms or at least let me show up in life. Um, and I stayed on it until I was out of college. So I had hard periods. I always was the girl with the tampons and the extra pads and the extra clothes with her. Um, but I definitely thought that was all normal. My endo journey actually doesn't start till a couple of years ago where I really focused on it. Um, out of college, I went on to work and I really just focused and struggled with infertility for many, many years, um, And while I knew I probably was going to have a hard time conceiving and I knew that there's something wrong, my only goal was to be a mom. So I didn't really care what my body was doing. Like I just ignored it and thought it was part of being a woman. Um, And it wasn't until, unfortunately, a little bit of a trigger warning, just in case this does impact anybody, but it wasn't until I miscarried that my body went absolutely haywire. I ended up starting to bleed for anywhere from 60 to 90 days. At times, um, started having true flare ups. Now, I'm not sure if I had them previous and I just ignored them or maybe the hormone shift, whatever it may be, but started having full flare ups and endo belly and pain and all those sort of things. And it led me on a journey off and on with different OBs trying to figure out like why my body is broken. Um, A lot of that was still Infertility focus. So, if I can't have a normal cycle, I couldn't get pregnant. And so, every time I went to a new doctor, it was those type of questions like, how do you fix me so I can be a mom rather than I hurt? <laughs> I can't get out of bed. Like, I didn't care. Um, jumping way forward into the pandemic, I still went for a fertility workup. I was having endoflare ups to the point that I could barely get out of bed and was crying all night and still told my doctor that even if it was 10 times worse than what it was, I would take that if I could be a mom. And we started the infertility workup. Once again, Um, a lot of my blood work came back and they said, you know, these are indicators that there's something going on, whether it's endometriosis or it's um, uh, maybe ovarian cancer. I just had very, very high levels and they sent me to a reproductive endocrinologist. Now I'm making this super short. I think in the pandemic alone, I saw eight different OBs and every single time there was a wait list and there was a new question. I ended up going to one. I do live in a city. I ended up going to one about 45 minutes from my home, just because a friend of a friend knew that they knew what endo was. Um, so started that was with her briefly because of my levels and her facility just unfortunately wasn't going to be able to care for me if it was endo. And so got switched over to a reproductive endocrinologist. He knew what endo was. That was a blessing because finally somebody was like, oh yeah, you could have this. Um, I think I remember he tripped me out the first time. Cause there was like a 15 page questionnaire that I filled out before my first visit and they were all endo questions so went in with him, um, February of last year, which is what 2021, I had my surgery and I had an ablation surgery confirmed endometriosis by the point I had surgery. I was horribly sick, um, bedridden, bleeding for most of the month, losing weight, nauseous. I had flu-like symptoms. It was impacting my job. I was grateful that I got to work from home at the time because I don't think I physically could have got to an office, but it also really impacted me to be able to work because I was so sick and I didn't have a very understanding situation where I could talk about it. Um, and I started suffering really bad from PMDD on top of it. So hormones and emotions were crazy. Um, but yeah, had surgery got diagnosed with endo February of 2021. And then this past year has kind of been post-surgery, trying to find life. Um, I still haven't I'm actually probably getting pretty bad needing to look towards surgery again, but definitely was at least able to start participating in life a little bit more.
1: Yeah, that is what a story. And I'm sure everybody listening can see like little bits and pieces of their story in your story. Cause I know I did, especially like in the very beginning, I don't really remember the early years of my yeah. periods either. And I don't know if I just like blocked it out or if maybe they weren't really painful, but they didn't start getting painful until like
0: college for me, or I guess like 16, 17. So almost college, but for sure. And like from first symptom, you know, knowing that I at least had really heavy periods and got put on birth control. So young, it was 15 plus years before I even had a doctor that would say endometriosis, I was going in with binders saying, I have something wrong with me do you know what this is? Can you start doing tests? Can we start doing the right things? Cause I was getting really sick of getting gaslighting and told that my uterus was beautiful and all these things, because I was starting to get increasingly sick, but it was until I had a life stoppage until I couldn't get out of bed until I was bleeding for 90 days. Did I start raising my hand and say, okay, I don't think I can do this
1: for sure. And like, bravo to you for like going into the doctors and being like, Hey, I know my body, I know something's wrong. Even yeah. Is it an ultrasound tech that said
0: you had a beautiful uterus? Uh, yeah, that and in- actually I think the phrase was passed on to my OB. I think my OB is the one that told me. And uh, I was I'm like, an ultrasound hey. tech. And I'm like,
1: I know exactly what they mean. It just <laughs> means you're a beautiful scan.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the kind of thing. But like obviously that OB had yeah. no familiarity. Actually, that's the same clinic that I ended up walking out of an appointment on. Oh my God. Because when I started bleeding um, after miscarrying, there was all sorts of different attempts to do birth controls again, to get me recycled and then to do the Ring because the logic was it's directly in there. And maybe that's why I'm having breakthrough bleeding. And I went in and I was like, I do not want birth control. I want to be a mom. Like you had to stop giving me a band aid. and they submitted a prescription for more birth control. They told me just to take it continuously, never get off it. If my periods were so bad submitted the prescription, even though I was verbally saying like. I don't want, I want to be able to try to be a mom and I stormed out like in the middle of the thing. I didn't even get billed. My insurance didn't even get billed for that uh, visit. I guess I maybe threw enough of a hussy walking out, but like, what the fuck? (laughs) Right. Like, and the whole thing is at that point, because I was back on birth control, I was having less symptoms or less flare-ups outside my cycle. Um, and I, actually stopped birth control after that. I just kind of gave up and was like, I'm going to see what my body does. Unfortunately that led to the (laughs) worst year of my life with endo flare-ups, but it also led me to find a doctor to find answers and start that journey. So you kind of take the good of the bad when it comes to a chronic illness.
1: For sure. And like being able to see that. And it's so easy, like now looking in hindsight, right? right? Being like, I'm glad that I went off that and I suffered for an entire year because I got my diagnosis and my surgery, but right. when you're in the trenches, it's really hard to see a way out.
0: Right. There was, a, there was, there's definitely be. a lot of like self-guilt with that. Like, obviously when I was infertile and had miscarriages, I blamed my body. When I would bleed continuously, I thought my body hated me. And, you know, when it got worse, I blamed myself for getting off of birth control and in hindsight, now I kind of realize how I let my body speak. And then I finally started listening to it. And hopefully it helps me feel better more than not in the future. But it's a pattern that was something I had to learn the hard way.
1: For sure. And like, how are you feeling about all of your like
0: body and stuff now? Uh, so I, you know, it's not as bad as what I try to tell myself. I am starting to have a lot more pain, um, especially cycles. I, did do some birth control after um, my last surgery. And again, against doctor's recommendations, I got off of it. Birth control me just do not work. I feel horrible every day of the month if I'm on it. And for the beginning, for the first maybe six months, I would have two to maybe three weeks sometimes of good days and then have a really bad day. And to me, that was a win. Um, now I'm back to majority of the month I hurt and I have flare ups and my cycles are really bad and my PMDD is getting worse and I can tell it's getting bad again. Um, but we're not to that point where I'm bedridden I still work 40 hour work weeks. I just still show up just some weeks. I hold my hip and I look like I'm a throw up and I'm pretending like I'm not in severe pain while I'm there. Oh, the art of pretending you're okay. (laughs) We're
1: all very good at it. (laughs) It's unfortunately a good trait we've all learned. I know. Um, Do you have an excision specialist in your area? No.
0: So, I mean, I guess we should use the general term of area of quotations or (laughs) quotes because that's such a, broad term when it comes to excision. Right. Uh, That's I have a lot of anxiety about that right now. I'm trying to figure out there is one four hours from me, which is relatively close when it comes to um, excision specialists. Now I live in a major city, so it's pretty crazy that I still have to travel for one. Right. So I'm trying to figure that out because the logistics of needing an excision surgery being able to travel to a different city for that. And uh, then of course the complications of it being out of network and having to pay for it and all that sort of stuff is kind of where I'm at.
1: Yeah. It's awful. The inaccessibility.
0: Yeah. It's the worst. And it, it truly like, it impacts my mental health a lot. Um, Obviously you mentioned, we have a podcast. We talk to a lot of friendos. We talk about these journeys and the anxiety that that brings into my life because it's such an active conversation. And but I know I have to weigh like how soon do I need medical care and how often do I need medical care because that's not a cheap expense for somebody to do.
1: Mm-mm. No, definitely not. Nothing with chronic illness is cheap, unfortunately. Mm-mm. My not at all. Hope and dreams would one day. Like for all of that surgery to be like accessible and for all gynecologists to be able to do like minimally invasive and then be able to refer you out and yeah. know what endo is. And there's just like so many tiers to it. And it, I don't know, it's it, most
0: multifaceted. It's horrible. When I had my surgery last year, I had tried to advocate for excision. Um, I, And I knew maybe 30% of the knowledge I have now. Like, I think I might be gracious, giving myself that number but I knew excisions what you wanted. Right. And I, I had to make a choice between getting care yeah. soon when I didn't think I could get out of bed tomorrow or choosing the surgery I wanted. And the reproductive endocrinologist I have here in this city doesn't believe in an excision. Um, his goal though, is to fix me long enough. I can get pregnant. And I, I exited out of that plan after surgery. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. said no to the Lubron. I said, no, um, unfortunately, if I wanted to do a Hail Mary to have a child, I would have to take a breast cancer medication because I can't do Clomed. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to choose my body. I'm going to choose yeah. me. And so the last year it's been good. I've had a lot of growth with, you know, mourning my losses, understanding my illness, understanding that I can be happy in life without being a mom and I've came a really far away, but that whole being sick, being in physical pain, that's just never going to go away for chronic illness, unfortunately.
1: Unfortunately, it does. It sounds like you have come a really long way and it sounds like, (laughs) are there any ways that you found purpose from like your pain and from chronic illness and from everything that you've gone through, or even like, how have you learned how to flourish in your life despite having endo?
0: Yeah, I think there's multi aspects of that. Um, first one is finding out that you have purpose without it. If you do have an infertility aspect to it, I think sometimes it's really hard to remember that you still matter and that you can still be something about life. So, for months, that was the goal: is to wake up and still want to exist in this world where I didn't think I was worthy to be here because my body wasn't given me the opportunity to be a mom um, and mourning my losses. You're not supposed to talk about miscarriage. You're not supposed to talk about your uterus. You're not supposed to talk about a chronic illness that no one can see. And so truly owning that and being able to say, you know, I had a daughter and I get to mourn her and I get to remember her and it's okay. If I talk about her, my body doesn't work. And I'm not going to be ashamed if I have to sit with the heating pad, I'm not going to be ashamed if I can't get out of bed. Like that's what PTO is for. So that was probably the biggest deal. And it took me two years to even start to own that was It's okay that this is the human you are. You're still worthy. You still have purpose and you should be here. And then redefining, I think all aspects of my life, except for a few key people in it have changed, unfortunately, or fortunately in the long run. But, you know, I had to find friends that were supportive. I had to rearrange my friend groups to people who had interests that aligned with mine. I had to kind of start to understand that endo doesn't control me or define me, but it is a huge part of me. And so I don't want to post every single time I feel sick, but I do want to share my knowledge. And I do want to find people who understand me. So that way I don't feel so alone. I gravitate towards kid-free or kid-less people because I want to have people that I can hang out with. And for a long time, when I was healing, it was hard to be around moms Now I'm now I feel better about that. I I definitely feel like I'm almost kid free. I'm I'm definitely claiming that life and I love my life, but now it's like, well, I don't want to go hang out with somebody that can't have a schedule like me. And so it really has taken a lot of reflective work. Um, you can even talk about the physical. My workouts, my active life is a hundred percent different. I've had to learn grace (laughs) to show up. So there's just a lot of redefining a lot of key characteristics that were me is still me but in a very different sense um and then i i definitely advocate i don't know if it was ever a conscious decision that i wanted to speak towards endo and help spread awareness but i found myself gravitating towards you know sharing my message in a very unfiltered way and i connected with betsy who's my co-host on not your mama pod and slid into her dms and i was like i think we could have an amazing podcast No one is in the world where we talk about endo, Betsy has confirmed adeno. So we talk about adeno, we talk about hysterectomy, we talk about a lot of those things, infertility. um, But we also talk about what it means to be in your thirties without kids, not by choice, and how we redefine our lives. So it's been a very healing process for me to speak to it and speak to more people. Um, I think it just makes you feel more accepted.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's beautiful. And it sounds like you're really rediscovering like who you are and who you always sure.
0: were. It's hard. I am sure you experienced the same thing, but a lot of things that you just did because that's who you are. That's what you're supposed to do. You, you have limitations on now, right? You're not going to work 75 hours a week. I used to grind 60, 70 hours a week. I used to be in the gym 15 hours the same week. My body and my mind can't do that anymore. So Mm-mm. what's really important to me has really stood out. For
1: sure. And I mean, it, listening to your body and giving yourself grace and knowing your limitations and being okay with that. Yeah. Not letting it just hold you back. And because kind of, it can be so easy to get stuck mm-hmm. in that area of like being so angry, right? Yeah. Valid, like anger is totally valid. Part of your life is taken away from you or
0: shifting. I suppose I should say. Oh, for sure. That. I had, you know, a decade of pain and infertility and things I didn't process. And then I had two plus years of straight crap. Like, I don't know how I survived it, to be honest with you. I, everything that could have went bad in your life went bad for me in this two year span in a pandemic. And somehow I survived somehow I kept waking up. And now that I'm on the other side, I just want to be well in whatever terminology that means for somebody with chronic illness. I want to be happy. And I want to keep doing good. And you know, my purpose doesn't have to be defined by being a parent. My purpose can be helping another friendo finding a way to make their week a little less miserable, or whatever it may be. And that's kind of where I fill my bucket up. Yeah, I love that. Definitely. I love it. It's hard. A Lot of life. <laughs> lot of life lessons with Endo. <laughs>
1: I know there are, and it is like something that you had said a little bit ago. Is like it took you two years to get in yeah. that space, and like for me, it took like seven yeah, <laughs> for me to get into like an area where I wasn't just like ignoring everything or like mad at my body, you know, and it still takes work, but the more that you do it, the easier it becomes.
0: Yeah. I feel like I I was in denial for so many years and I was just so hyper-focused on being a mom. A lot of people, you know, waking up and checking your ovulation, checking the temperature of down there and like That's just really not a normal process. So you get so hyper-focused on these steps to become a mom that you, you know, you forget about your other symptoms. And then I couldn't ignore it by the time I slowed down to think about it. My body was just done. I, I was barely living. Yeah. And then everything hit physically, emotionally, mentally, and somehow I had to survive because we're stuck in the house Yeah. (laughs) and I couldn't run from it anymore.
1: For sure. And I know something you had said about surgery a little bit ago, kind of yeah. struck me, because I, I mean, I agree with you. I did the same thing. I've had two ablation surgeries because mm-hmm. I didn't realize that there was any other difference. And I was just such in a low place where I was in the ER every other weekend and like just not feeling well, that I was like yeah. anything that can maybe help me, you know? Yeah. And I think that having those ablation surgeries while they cause scar tissue, like really helped me to, well, I had to have two of them for them to do <laughs> anything at all. Um, but then I changed my diet and like started to get more active and focus on the other aspects, you know? So yeah.
0: I, I think, I think I just made a post this last week about um, food sensitivities and eating disorders and endo, because a lot of us learn bad eating habits because our bodies can't consume the nutrients. And it's hard. I think I've under ate for f- 20 years, like I've never ate enough calories And over this last year, I've made a conscious decision to work with, um, her name's Rita. Her Instagram tag is radiate Refrida, but she's a nutrition. She's a, she's a health coach and she has endo. And so working with somebody that understands my chronic illness and can help me really make sure I'm eating the right nutrients. Um, I have to learn not to hate food. I have to learn to eat. I have to learn to not avoid things because they might cause a flare up and eat enough, the right things. And it's just, I feel like you're constantly learning with chronic illness. Like you'll master one little area and then you have to go to a new area and work on your life and make sure you're not causing more harm. And and you need to come back and reevaluate because something's changed in you, but it's a learning experience and it's constant work. And I think that's kind of why podcasts are fun is because we can talk about these things and we can share the things that work for us and help guide other people. At least I hope.
1: (laughs) For sure. No, I agree. Like, Because, like you just said, it's not just one thing. And I think a a lot of people are like, I'm going to have surgery, I'm going to be better. But it's like, maybe I'm going to do this one little thing and then I'm going to do this other little thing. Mm -hmm. And it's really an entire lifestyle upheaval of having to figure out what works for you and your body, especially because we're all different. Yeah. I do love being able to share other people's stories and my story, just if we can help like one person. Right. For sure. Maybe something that I do help somebody, one person and something that you do might help another person, you know,
0: for sure. And it's nice to relate. Um, yeah, I, I give my co-host the most credit. Not only is she an amazing friend and human, but she's very good at like testing the waters and trying new things where I come from more of a hesitation standpoint. I hate making things worse. And so I'd rather just stop. Like I I'll eat these four things for the rest of my life. If these four things work, right. Not thinking about the, extra damage I'm doing because I'm not exploring options. And it's nice to be able to tell her, I mean, there's, it's so funny if I go back and listen to some of our episodes, they'll literally be an episode where I'm like, I'm too overwhelmed. I can't do it. I don't want to try. I can't do it. I have no energy. And then the next episode I'll drop and I'll be like, guess what I tried. (laughs) And it's a hundred percent because I'm getting motivated by the friendos around me that are like, okay, I had a really bad reaction with this supplement. But I found this one and now I feel better. And this is my quality of life change. And I'm like, if you can do it, I can do it. Let's try something small. Yes, exactly. A lot. A lot. If you can do it, I can do it. And starting small is key. It is. For sure. It's 100. It's and I think it's nice to tell people like, it's not going to be a fix, quick fix. It's not going to be something you know, you can do correct. You, you will have to experiment and you will fail and it's okay. And don't be ashamed if you can't just go gluten-free and you feel better, like your body needs things for your individual body. So just keep trying and finding people to have resources on, Um, keep trying to get the right medical care. I'm right now working really hard to find a pelvic floor therapist. Apparently they don't exist in my area. Like yeah, we're struggling over here. So it's just, it, it's a uphill battle on most things, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't try because if you find one thing, it might really, really help. And then you have a little bit more bandwidth to do a little bit more. Right. Totally. Um,
1: that surprises me that there's not a pelvic floor. It's just the lack of support all (laughs) everywhere for all, like all the things that we need to do baffles me all of the time. Um, do you know, Dr. Olson at intimate Rose. She has yeah. a bunch of free resources on her website, um, intimate for things that you can do at home. If you can't access them
0: a- for sure. I just, um, and I, I'm going to repost it. I just found one online too, that talks about like how to do the therapy online and those TikToks doing the, um, actually demonstrations, which is really nice, but that side and then I think it's we care better we care now I always type it in wrong that's an amazing res- yeah there you go I care better yeah. is a great resource for vetted um, surgeons or pelvic floor therapy or things like that as well mm-hmm. so and we do update them so it's nice to get on there and just like see if somebody else has came into your region or your area um, we're trying we're trying acupuncture we're trying massages we're trying to find alternative pain management groups. So whatever we can do to feel better, I am down for giving it a try and then making sure that financially it works out so I can still work towards excision. Right.
1: Yeah. You know, little baby
0: steps for sure.
1: Um, is there anything specific that you want to share about what you've learned about managing your endometriosis? I know we've kind of talked a little bit about a whole bunch of things.
0: Yeah. Cause it hits all sorts of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would say, I think the one area I didn't really hit on is I I truly think movement's healthy for you. It goes along with that grace thing. You got to do what your body can do, but even if it's just stretching or yoga, that seems to be a big part of how I bounce back from flare ups. Um, some nights it's honestly like stretching out my hips. I have sciatic nerve damage due to my endo now. And so my, between my hips and my tailbone, standing, sitting, walking, laying, everything sucks. So just stretching and giving my body grace. But if I can get some movement and walks, things like that, I tend to bounce back faster, which, you know, that's the goal. Um, the other part that I am getting back into full swing is therapy because I do suffer from very severe PMDD. And I'm pretty sure I'm have functional depression just because of the, being a chronic illness warrior and having all those lives and having no real hope of it going away um, has been impacting my mental pretty bad lately. So I'm putting in the work there too. I really suggest you do it, even if it's not a clinical therapist, if it's a friend, if it's somebody you can talk to. Um, the overwhelming feeling of having no hope and being alone is the thing that I can't seem to move past, and so I'm trying to be very, very loud about it's okay to find a resource and find help. Cause we all feel this way in some sort of sense. It is okay to find help always. Yeah, for sure. Other than that, no, we, we talk about a lot of things on our podcast. Um, Cause I feel like we're always trying to develop and, you know, find new avenues and find new research. And I feel like every month I continue to grow and relate and have a new relationship with endometriosis. And at this point, I'm just going to court it. We're going to date because that's the only way I'm going to nurture it enough to feel better, but <laughs> you know, it's a learning factor. I appreciate your podcast. I listen to almost every single endometriosis podcast out there. Cause to me, anybody's story will give me a little grain of like, Oh, this is related. Oh, oh you do this though. So maybe I should try to do that. Um, for example, I'm an avid cycler because I used to be a runner and can't really do that with my hip. And now I'm learning about all these potential consequences of being on a bike. So long with my pelvic and my uterus. And I'm like, Oh, well, that's great. That kind of explains some of my flare up pain when I try to go cycle. And, you know, it's just, the knowledge can never be enough. And it helps you kind of curve your life
1: for sure. And I mean, one person can't know everything. So <sighs> soaking in knowledge from like literally all of these other sources is
0: a wonderful thing to do. Yeah. And I appreciate when the people in my, like my general life are like, Oh man, you know, so much. And I'm like, honestly, I don't. And I wish I didn't have to know as much as I did, I would never, ever, ever try to have a medical degree. There's zero interest for me, but when you have endo and no one can give you answers, you tend to start to learn and start to read and try to find answers. For sure. Um,
1: How can people connect with you? I'm going to put your links below in the show notes if you're listening and you want to head
0: on over there. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So my personal page is journey to fix my lady parts started out with me trying to think I could fix this. Years ago, and now it's to all my lady parts, whether that be my mind, my body, my soul, trying to fix me while having a chronic illness. Um, and then our podcast with Betsy is called Nacha Mama, and that's C H A for cha. We are sassy, but we do not hold back, so we talk about all of our personal issues and try to bring on a ton of friendos. We also have a uh, Instagram page at Nacha Mama Pod. Join us, we drop by weekly. We've just tried to share all the things. Um, We are open books. So we like to talk about all the things because no one else will for us. I love that. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. And thank you for coming on today. This was so much fun chatting with you and sharing your story. Thank you. Ah, babe thank you so much for taking the time to listen today i had so much fun and i'm so fucking grateful for every single one of you if you thought that this was helpful or you loved any part of this podcast i would love 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 for you to screenshot it and post it on instagram at chelsea brie c-h-e-l-s-e-a-a-b-r-i and take me I would love to see what you're getting out of the episodes. It makes me so happy. I would also love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave a review because that just helps other wonderful endo babes find me as well. I adore you and I believe that you don't deserve to feel like shit. You deserve to have a normal life despite endometriosis. So I love you so much and I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll catch you on next week's episode of the Endo Babe Podcast.